Lingua Britannica is a podcast that uses ethnographic interviews to study language use in the extreme metal community. We are studying a music scene known for its love of themes and topics generally considered offensive, and it is likely that some episodes will touch on topics or opinions some listeners may find tasteless or ethically problematic. Ethnographic researchers aim to adopt the interviewee's point of view so that we can draw out and study the attitudes, beliefs, and practices that are important to them. We want to make it clear that in presenting these conversations here, we do not endorse any of their content. Our aim is to explore the thought processes behind language use in this long-running, international and yet understudied scene. everyone and welcome to episode 12 of Lingua Britannica with me Jess Bunny smith and my co-host Wes Robertson. Hello. And today we're continuing our exploration of New Zealand's uh, metal bands uh, by talking to Matt Hyde of Beast Wars uh, who are based in Wellington, is that right? Yeah, Wellington today, yep. Yep. Oh, so uh, how are you doing today, Matt? Uh, well, it's the shortest day of the year. Um, <laughs> it's a lovely storm. It's almost nearly dark. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, right. An appropriate day to talk about heavy metal. Yeah, there was a scene for it. <laughs> yeah. Cool. So starting off as we always do, uh, would you mind just describing Beast Wars music for somebody who's never heard of Beast Wars before? Uh, for me, well, I think Beast Wars is really based around four individuals and, you know, and you only get that after the amount of time we've, we've spent together. So it's, a, it's a, a, a group that's now 15 years in all with original members. Uh, it's like a family I can't get away from. <laughs> I, I think maybe it's the magic of Beast Wars is actually, doesn't matter what music we made, it's the four individuals when they put together in that room. And it ended up being Beast Wars. Mm-hmm. Did you all get in the metal together or did you get in the metal no, on your own and then meet? I, I grew up like punk rock, mm. you know, Joy Division. Um, I grew up, in the, in the um, sort of the outer suburbs of Wellington, a place called Lower Hutt or Hutt Valley. Um, I came from a place called Stokes Valley. And we used to put on um, shows and we played music like Black Flag, um, American, US hardcore. That's what we were really into. Um, then James, who's a tiny bit um, 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 older than me, he was sort of into crass, really sort of political punk rock. But, but then also... Um, he came from a quite a small country town. Um, mm-hmm. Nathan's ten years, um, ten years um, younger than us, so he grew up in the middle of the grunge, mm. you know. And um, and Clayton, big Sonic Youth fan, um, massive Cure fan, um, but loved Metallica and played in a Metallica band at school. So yeah, mm. it's, there was no there's no traditional heavy metalist within our band. So how did you actually make the transition into metal? Clayton would be that because of Metallica song. Mm -hmm. Because he can do it with the downward strokes on (laughs) stuff. Right. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so what was the transition like from, like, that kind of, like, you know, punk and that kind of thing to, like, full metal? I'm 50 now, so I met them when I was 35. Okay. Um, I Yeah, I've been a punk band when I was in England. We were sort of, yeah, um, 
we were in a band that sort of was like Black Sabbath, but Bauhaus. We got signed by the manager, ex-manager of Bauhaus at that time. Um, yeah, so I was never, I wasn't ever going towards, it just naturally, it just happened. I don't know, maybe I just got right. frustrated. It just got, you know, it just got meaner over the years. <laughs> I, don't, I wasn't, I didn't wake up, you know, when I was 16 going, I want to be like that. This, this bizarre transition mm. to other character. So when you started, uh, you know, writing metal and making metal music, you didn't, did you have much background in how other people were approaching metal lyrics and metal singing, or did you just kind of go with what interested you? Never thought about it. Um, only, I was quite into country there for a while. Well, I lived in Auckland when I came back from London, and we lived across a bar, this was a warehouse, and across the way was this bar, and they used to have these um, New Zealand country singers, um, Al Hunter, Richie Pickett, and um, it was sort of like the hang. This was like mid nineties. It sort of it was the hangover of the of, of the early seventies. So their fan base were always like real washed up, crazy, um, you know, hippie. It was bizarre, but anyway, I just loved the stories they told on stage, and you know, the heartbreak, and you know, it, it was just amazing. Um, up until then, lyrics. You know, I hadn't really thought about lyrics, but after seeing a lot of country gigs. Um, and this is like New Zealand country, but no one's even heard of, and it's just you know so underground. And, but you know these people could get like three hundred people sometimes on a Saturday night. It was just wild. After that, I tried to, um, if I could, in any songs I wrote, I tried to have a story, a beginning, a middle, and an end. Um, you know, and, and I kind of failed miserably at it. Um, but then I sort of, when it comes to Beast Wars, because it was sort of, we kind of incorporated that sort of Michael Moorcock, um, early 70s sci-fi, you know, Eric. Or for, um, I, could, I sort of had a vehicle to incorporate maybe um, human themes, but hidden behind, I don't know, fantasy or science fiction. Mm-hmm. I tried to incorporate country music with sci- science fiction. I don't know if I achieved it. <laughs> When you talk about uh, like you know New Zealand country music, I I've never heard of it. I think you're right that many people that listen to this have never heard of it. What were some of the uh, features of like New Zealand country lyrics that really well, grabbed well, your attention? Like, we were like I was like 25 or 26. These guys were like you know nearly 40. Uh-huh. Um, their good days are over. You know it was just great. It was just sort of better. <laughs> um, I mean like, absolute absolute beauty sometimes. You know like if you've broken up with a girl. This is the place, best place to go because you just drink beer and just listen to these. I don't know. That's really incorporated something amazing. Um, I mean, New Zealand country is quite like a resurgence of this kind of cool. Marlon Williams is really popular here and stuff like that. I mean, it's, um, I assume he's quite popular in Australia too. So there's all that new stuff. But these guys were like, um, yeah. Like Richie Pickett, one of the best things he ever said is like, he's playing one night in Auckland, and he says, unlike most country bands, we actually have to drive back to the country tonight. And they did. They had to drive to Cambridge, which was three hours away after the show, after they'd been drinking. Um, <laughs> yeah, I can't. <laughs> Maybe it's closer to, is it Tamworth in Australia? That sort of, yeah. that yeah, style of country. We're talking about that style of country. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in the inner city, we sort of do our thing on it, but these people really were from the country. <laughs> so, mm. I don't know. <laughs> And also you'd hear a lot of covers. He was kind of like, I'm trying to think of the artist. Um, oh, but it was, yeah, this, this, this great storytelling. And also the whole time, 
you know, another great Australian is Nick Cave and his storytelling. Um, mm. um, Tex Perkins with The Cruel Seed, another great storyteller. I, those other two people are quite, I love their stories within their songs. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, yeah, I never planned heavy metal. It's, heavy metal just came for me. So yeah. Mm. So yeah, I suppose we, what we didn't ask before was, um, you know, if you were to categorize Beast Wars music, uh, what kind of like genre or subgenre of metal would it fall into? Would you say? Um, I think well, we've now, we've talked to a lot of um, American groups, and they keep on going back to us that we're like um. Oh, it's an amp, amp, amp reptile music sort of. Um, I'm trying to think who's on that. Um, was it drugs, dope, and fucking in the street compilations? That label. It's because mm-hmm. of James bass by his style of his bass. Um, yeah, it made its own sound. Um, I mean, Nathan had to learn how to play drums. He didn't do it. He <laughs> bass player. You know? <laughs> but um, yeah. I don't know, and Clayton, I mean, Clayton's really into that post-punk, early 80s stuff, but, um, yeah, I don't know, it was just really, yeah, I, I mean, we, we went, I mean, we have like four albums in now on one live record, it's bizarre. Um, yeah, it was never meant to be permanent. It's really hard to think back. <laughs> Nothing was ever meant to be, it was just what it was. It was at the time, it was big, people were creating music, but uh, maybe that's New Zealand, and we've toured Australia about eight times, but in New Zealand we sort of crossed over to a bigger audience and even mainstream. We've been to the mainstream awards here. Um, I think because we did come from all these different kind of backgrounds, we're actually mm-hmm. not from we're not from the metal scene. Right, um, yeah. And it wasn't I mean, I was just so frustrated at that stage. Like I'd lived in England, lived in Australia, lived in Auckland. I just hadn't broken through, but I'd be trying to be a singer and so when Beast Wars came, it was, I was, the screams were just, it was just primal. It was like, I've had enough. Mm. But, you know, what do you, you know, but anyway, it just turned out that it kind of became kind of popular. So, <laughs> so mm. yeah. that was the other yeah. strange. Right. Yeah. Cause your music has been described as like sludge metal or stoner metal. Are those kind of labels that resonate with you or do you find it's like a bit too restrictive to kind of like put it into that pigeonhole? I have to admit, like when I, well, I don't smoke marijuana, but and I tell my daughter not to do it because it's too psychoactive. But um, <laughs> but I have to admit, it's like when I was a teenager in the early eighties, when you go to concerts and you would smell marijuana within the audience, that, that was the whole ritual of rock and roll. Obviously, marijuana has become super strong since then. Um, but like a last show in Wellington, I, we got to a stage in the show and I could just smell p- people just lighting up the joints, you know, as we're playing. And to me, that's the ultimate compliment of a musician is when that happens. <laughs> <laughs> it's like just like early 70s or something or what I imagine, you know, 1968 to 72 would have been like, you know, any concert around the world. Um, but, yeah, Stone Metal, yeah. I don't know, yeah. Like labels don't really bother me. We've been lucky enough to um, have people buy tickets and come to our shows. I'm very thankful for that. As you've continued to, you know, play metal and tour with metal bands, things like that, have you developed more of a personal interest in metal, or do you still find yourself mainly listening to, you know, things like punk, etc. On your own? I'm amazed by people's musicianship. Um, 
like actually touring Australia, like the level of musicianship in Australian bands, pretty exceptional. Um, I don't know if they get to play more times a week or whatever, but <laughs> no, it, it, yeah, I, yeah, you can't help but admire that. Out of the metal bands, who did I like? Um, oh, I mean, if you don't want to list like specific people, I'm just curious, like, no, just, has the genre people, become more? I just, well, I was just trying to think of people that played live and it blew me away. But um, yeah, I suppose I'm always listening for the hooks because I do also come for that sort of thing of pop. Like, you know, it is a metal, you know. I don't know, it's hard to describe. But I'm traditionally not a big metal listener. So I'm guessing then, like, when you write lyrics or write your music, have you ever really cared about whether or not they are quote-unquote metal? Oh, well, one, one thing I do love about metal, you can get really pagan on it and talk about swords and blood. And, <laughs> you know, it's just, you can feel, because you're such a, it's, I always kind of find it's like, it's the church for people who don't like to go to church. I mean, they mostly hate to admit it, but, you know, most of these people are mostly ex you know, they're the refugees from the churches they would grow up in as kids. Um, and they still long for that sort of social connection that church gives to people. I mean, I, I'm not practicing Catholic. I know, you know, I've gone through all that ritual and, you know, God, they used to put black crosses on us on Ash Wednesday and make us say, tell us your sins. I remember having to lie. Well, I don't really have me. <laughs> You know, so you make some up. Oh, good, good, good sins. <laughs> um, um, yeah, no. Yeah, there's so much ritual in metal. So I do love, I do think it's like church when people don't like church. And people can go there and scream, you know. And people can speak in tongues. They want to. Yeah. Mm. You yeah. know, it's just, it's just, there's something about it. I think, I, I think so many people are just disappointed with the modern era of the world and the way it is. Just for everyone that's having a great time, it's fucking nine people who are struggling. Mm. Um, mm. It's just something about metal show that will actually bring such different groups of society together. Um, I was sort of compared to the people who actually were building shit or making stuff happen. Remember when ACDC played in Wellington, the audience, that was the buddy, the whole economy was there. <laughs> Any, anything you needed to get done, you could get from that audience. They could, <laughs> they could build you a fucking bridge, you know what I mean? They were there. So they were doers. They were doers in life. Um, and some of them drink heavily and some of them don't and some of them are straight-edged and some of them are terrible junkies. And um, some of them are, you know, it's just so many elements to it. I'm kind of amazed by the human condition of heavy metal. I think it's kind of a beautiful thing. I don't ever really talk. People, I mean, people have started talking about it because I've read a few things and a few papers about how heavy metal can actually make you happy if you're depressed. Mm. So there's science behind it. But, yes, it's like looking it's like a mirror. It's a mirror on all of us. But, yeah. So is that but, how you would then, like, define metal? Like, if you were to, like, distinguish metal from, like, non-metal music, is that the kind of main, um, like, theme well, that you draw on? One thing I've did, loyalty is incredible mm-hmm. metal. Um, yeah, it's just, it's just a different, because I've played other bands with sort of different styles, mm-hmm. but you, ne- you never have um, this the loyalty. And God, people come and tell you the most craziest shit, the most personal stuff. 
<laughs> I think also because I did have cancer and, and there was, I have had a lot of people since then come up and tell me their stories or their family stories. Um, and yeah, and you listen to it and it's just like, I mean, it's just like, my God, you know, but obviously they feel this is a, a safe shared space that we can talk about it. And I'm very respectful when I listen to these stories because, you know, I can't imagine what they've gone through because we're all individuals. But, um, yeah, that's the beauty of metal. It's created something really special. And it's made, it's like it's, you know, it's not on the radio. Mm. Made, by, made by human beings. And, you know, and most labels these days are just, you know, the band themselves. Mm. Um, of course, you know, maybe, you know, especially New Zealand, like, that's how it is. But, um, it's very DIY. I like the punk rock DIY attitude of it. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I think punk rock is just so elitist, it's really horrible. Just can't stand it. Um, but, you know, maybe I just grew old. You don't, you don't see any elitism at all in metal? <sighs> maybe New Zealand's so small. Oh, well, it's black metal people slag everyone off, don't they? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it seems to be. They're famous not, for that a little bit, yeah. It's not true cult. <laughs> yeah, that's it. With a key and a V, right? We're yeah. the band. Like, we're the band who wouldn't play with us because we went, you know, dark enough, whatever, evil enough or something. Like that. But um, <laughs> I mean, I got told they were some of those guys were at our last show in Christchurch. This was, well, years ago. This happened. We love mm. it, but we finally, finally gave in and said, "Oh, well, we'll go and hang out with you then." But, <laughs> you know, but yeah, I suppose yeah, of course, I suppose with yeah, all that stuff. It's elitism, isn't it? Yeah, maybe it's mm. least bit. I try and try and feel that why can't we all be inclusive? Mm. Um, mm. With enough stuff in life, just putting us down. So you, you create a space where people can uh, forget everything and just come and celebrate, you know, I don't know, birth, life, and death. Um, mm. Let it be. But yeah. Mm. Um, so we talked a little bit before about like you know the lyrics that you've enjoyed. Um, what would you say like makes for good metal lyrics? Like what's the kind of recipe if you could give one for good metal lyrics? Um, I think a good story. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, I suppose is it "Fade Into Black" by Metallica? That song. Um, I think that's a mm-hmm. great story. Um, there's one. Like I suppose it's the biggest metal song I can think of right now. But I think, and and, and Strange is he always plays that play of the good and the bad and the ugly soundtrack because he's in the westerns. Mm. So I think he loves country too. So, yeah, I think yeah, I think it's having the beginning, the middle, and the end. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes, um, I suppose there's so many different types of music, but I don't understand because what is it? Is deathcore, scream, metalcore? Is metalcore really big in Australia? Where they scream heaps? Yeah, that um, must be popular for a while, for a yeah, time. Yeah. yeah. But, um, well, that, I couldn't even tell you what the lyrics are. Mm. You know? mm. and, but um, yeah, if I could hear a story, um, mm. but that's my personal um, opinion. Is mm. there something on the other hand that you think uh, is kind of common in metal lyrics that you don't find appealing or that you try to avoid? Um, oh, it's, yeah, I, sometimes I try and it's quite easy to throw in satanic imagery while I find it. If you want to look for cult everywhere you can look, it's cult is everywhere. <laughs> yeah. So, um, 
Actually, I'll give you an example. I took my daughter. I got free tickets to go and see. What's that guy? He's really popular. Um, ginger head singer. Huge one. Ed Sheeran? Ed Sheeran. Ed Sheeran. Okay, yes. I went to Ed Sheeran. Um, so I'm sitting there, and he's putting all this satanic stuff in the back, all the imagery, and these dragons. and this. I'm going, this is like a Led Zeppelin show. <laughs> I'm looking around, and, like, no, everyone was obviously unaware of what was happening. But um, I was going, oh, he's using all these tricks. Um, yeah, I try and avoid that. But, yeah, maybe you, you, you just start seeing it. I don't know. Is it real? I don't know. That's why I try and avoid mm. it. I'm trying to write more stories if I can. But then, um, yeah, that it doesn't always work out and do resort to I would call it fantasy or sci-fi imagery to help pad the story maybe or hide the story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's hard to write about yourself or write about people you know. Yeah, well, why, why definitely something that? we'll get into. Well, in a country like this, which is so small, you'd be like, you know, I'm going to find out pretty fast. So, <laughs> it's, it's kind of like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I find that really difficult. I'm not in America, like, you know, millions of people. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So, so, yeah, maybe. Yeah. Um, when did you actually start writing lyrics for the first time? You know, um, I used to really worry because I would just sing what I felt. So I was always trying to achieve that sort of improvisation moment, bang, here we are, and we record. I was really, really worried about that until I read an article about um, Bauhaus, and they did it. Mm -hmm. I read another article about David Bowie, how at one stage he was just cutting out words and throwing them on the ground, then trying to make sentences, and, you know. So that sort of made me more comfortable about, oh, there's no actually right or wrong way to do this. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes you'd read these things that people just wrote, was perfect. It's coming all out. Um, so I just keep them going. And I actually still keep them, continue trying to write. Even though I'm not planning on doing a record at the moment, um, just to get um, better at it. Um, also reading, when you start, try and read. Hmm. I, try, I recently have these blind books about like, a few New Zealand artists, and I was just trying to read. I suppose you guys would be familiar about it because you guys work at university. This is the way they write, the way academics write about art. Mm -hmm. And it's so descriptive and long. <laughs> it's fucking massive sentences. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but then I see sometimes I might see a word or a colour word. Oh, fuck, I'll steal that. It's fucking good. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I'm not, I, and I've recently tried to write a lot more poetry and, and a lot more um, away from what heavy metal is. I went on this trip around New Zealand by myself, and I think, I, you know, I just, I lived in Wellington, but I drew far north and I came back and I was writing the whole way and I was just like, at one stage, I was told, you know, whoever was speaking to me was going, you must go to Rotorua and buy Buddhist flags. So, you know, so I went and did it, you know, I went 300 kilometres out of the way to go and get these Buddhist flags, put them in the car and, and then I had to keep on stopping because I'm writing and, yeah, it was incredible. It was almost like this coming hour sphere pushing you and then that, whoever that force or person or being or ancestor, then it dissip dissipates and they're gone and then you're sort of left empty for a long time again. I mean, I yeah. 
the special gift. I don't think I'll ever forget it. That journey. I mean, well, whoever was visiting me. Um, and I saw a lot of crazy stuff on that trip. Far north. Um, yeah. I don't know. You're writing. Are we opening a gate? You know, to our souls. Maybe that's the danger of writing. If you get start getting good at it, or starts working. Um, we reveal, I don't know, how we actually feel. Hmm. Do you have a, a like set process when you're trying to write lyrics for an album or like going on what you're talking about right now, like going on journeys or trying? Oh, yeah, I think that, well, yeah, subconsciously that jet trip was about, because I think I was wanting to do a record. I was just insane at that stage. We'd come off tour. Not, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't take much for me to, to feel insane. So it's just like, um, but I definitely was. Um, so yeah, the journey was, just, you know, so yeah, it was a whole thing of writing. Um, and then I continued to write when I came back. I don't know, I never wrote so much as I did that summer, which is like this last summer. Um, but then I stopped again, it's ended. Um, yeah, I don't, it, honestly, it just turns on, turns off. When I was sick, um, at cancer, it's kind of weird. I had been really quite writing quite heavily up until the moment I got my diagnosis. And then I kind of started towards the end after possibly nearly finished my chemotherapy. Mm-hmm. It came back again, like a, like a, yeah. Um, but you know, quite often I can write in the studio if I'm forced to, like okay, bang, do something, put it up. And I'm just looking for cocks. I'm looking for lines. It has to fit in here, you know, and to say I get one good line, then my brain will go, hey, throw that line in. Um, yeah. But um, I've enjoyed writing more, a lot of stuff recently that I, can't, I couldn't even imagine being in heavy metal. You know, it's just about my childhood, like, you know, the border between this bridge between sort of um, Pakeha land and Murray land and my father's grandparents' house was on the other side. And, you know, and like we went, you know, we crossed there. It was like going from two worlds. And all these memories came back recently of when I was young, like really young. So um, that's the gift of writing. It enabled me to just kind of make sense of it and put it put it down on paper. I don't know if they'll ever be songs, though. Mm. But, um, but if music allowed me to get to the point when I'm actually sort of writing and making sense of how I was at five or six, um, well, what a gift um, writing is. Mm. It's really interesting to hear you talk about the writing process as being so personal and such a kind of cathartic um, process because a lot of research has really argued that metal tends to take a lot of distance from its lyrics. Like a lot of, you hear a lot of musicians and lyricists saying like, oh, my lyrics have nothing to do with me personally and it's all about fantasy and, you know, there's none of my kind of personal experience embedded in them um, and therefore they, you know, shouldn't necessarily be taken at face value or taken seriously or anything like that. So I suppose how do you respond to those kind of like opinions or takes on metal lyrics? I think I'd failed at being able to write about myself or write, or write about people. I hadn't had any success. There was no one that really, none of the songs I wrote that anyone enjoyed or liked to a level that I thought would have been cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think with metal, I actually got to hide myself in the lyrics. Huh. Yeah. Um, but then as the albums progressed, then I had more freedom to come out and say, no, actually, this is about me. <laughs> or this <laughs> is about, yeah. Which, yeah. 
And by that stage, we had an audience that's willing to go with us. Hmm. Um, we've got a new single coming out. It's all held up because the printing presses are really, really crazy around the world. Um, really different song I've ever written. Um, yeah, I can't wait for people to see that. I think people will be really changed. It's a story, a fucking great story, mm. um, which I won't, you know. But yeah, no, I think maybe I'm being lucky to keep on um, being able to develop writing through metal because that's the beauty of metal. If, if people enjoy your music, they really kind of stick with you. It's quite incredible. It's an incredible audience. Have you had um, members of your audience come up and talk to you about your lyrics and like, or read into them? Yeah. Oh, that's some great stuff, eh? Uh, Dan described this one guy. He said, I love fighting on the street to that song. And I never really thought it was a street <laughs> song. I went, okay. Yeah, every time I go into fights, man. Yeah, I just met some yeah, crazy people who like our music. It's like, okay, uh, that was more about, yeah. yeah. Um, but then a lot of, I, I think it was the second album, Actually, happened in Melbourne. Young guy came up to me, going, "Your lyrics has just allowed me to get through some lot of heavy shit." And I went, "Oh wow, okay." And I'm, I'm, I thought, "Oh my god, I'm sort of walking on sacred land now here. Um, I better be careful, because um, we're getting to the next stage of creating reactions." And you know, so I thought, "When well, no, it has to be fucking, you're gonna get through it." Um, yeah, Did that was pretty, yeah. I mean, there's people out there who listen to music, I reckon, highly for uh, mental health reasons mm. who are struggling immensely, do not know how to get through and heavy metal. It can just, you know, it can just help you, it can have goalposts to keep on going, like you're climbing a mountain. Um, mm. and there's some, you know, pop music doesn't really do that. Indie music, only a very few bands managed to pull that off. It seems so, like, you know, but um, heavy metal. Heavy metal and country, I think, is really similar. Because huh. country music mm. does the same thing. It pulls people through tough times and keep on going. And maybe that's the secret of life. You just have to keep on going until the body's totally worn out and you're gone. You know, mm. um, the, the pain of life is actually the unraveling of the secrets of life. Mm. I mean, since I suppose I don't really talk about this much, but since when I got sick, I went to university after I finished my chemo and I became a nurse and I'm a nurse now. Mm. And I've seen a lot of death. Mm. And I just think it's the human body will just not give up mm. but, um, until they finally give up. Um, that's affected also, I think, the way I look at. Not that I've, I started writing an album about that, but I've had special experiences of working night shift in an aged care facility where a lot of people have passed away recently and, you know, it's 3 o'clock in the morning and you're walking with your torch in the, um, the hallway. And you can feel, you know, sometimes you feel they're still healed, that they haven't actually quite left yet. The spirit, yeah, it's just, yeah, yeah what, is, what is the human condition? And I think it's so much bigger than all of us. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's just if I do get to do another album, I'm sure there's going to be some of that in it. Some of that. Yeah, I just feel, yeah. Life is a, continually full of mysteries. That's all I'm learning at 50. 
50 more years to go, most probably. So do these, these comments with your fans and these kinds of experiences have definitely kind of changed the way you think about uh, like your lyrics and the, their role? In the I did, yeah, I, I, there's power. You have power at that moment. I mean, if, you, if you're singing songs of hate, mm. you create hate. You know, what is it, metal? Well, metal is a lot of frustration, but there's always a lot, eventually, almost all of the songs is about you to get through and it's hope. Mm. You know, it's, this is what people are telling people. I mean, that's how I feel it. That's how I think it mm. should. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, I'm going through this crazy stage right now, but um, my daughter's a teenager and we're driving the car today and she said, I'm going to kind of put on that black flag. Like, I just went, what the hell? And it's just music I loved as a kid. And she would put up um, the TV party tonight. It's on the um, Repo Man's soundtrack. Mm. Um, and then she's playing Suicidal Tendencies, you know, that song about all I wanted was a Pepsi. <laughs> oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's just like just watching. And I said, Do you play this? Because I separated from my mom. Do you play this at mum's house? Oh, yeah. And I, and I, I just loved it. I went, oh, my God, you know, because there's angst there, but there's also like, I'll get through, you know. I'll, I'll figure it out myself. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I just, yeah, there's total power in words. People should be very careful what they're saying. There's spells, you know. Mm. If you put out darkness and negativity, it will come to get you. You know, it waits for you. You open gates, it will rush in. And you can try and hide from it by using drugs or drink, but it's there. It will come and get you. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've learned you've got to be careful of what you're projecting out. Um, it's Yeah, it's bigger than most of us, bigger than all of us. It's just other forces. But, um, yeah, then I think people have to be careful with words. Mm. Like, I'll just say, well, words can change humanity. You know, the, the right sentence or statement at the right moment can change the direction of mankind. Mm. You know, yeah, we're dealing with some powerful stuff. I mean, that's how I, that's how I see it. The idea of the strength of words, I think, is a kind of a good segue here to um, what we were wanting about some of the words you've chosen to kind of use on your albums. And okay. in looking for uh, through the albums as a whole, uh, we've definitely seen some tendencies that have continued that we want to talk about. But the first thing we want to ask is just uh, uh, something that we felt was kind of distinct between your albums, which is the amount of lyrics. Uh, early on, on like your first album, uh, if we compare lyrics to songs like Daggers uh, or Storms of Mars to your most recent release, it seems that you've been adding more and more lyrics to the songs as you've been writing uh, as an artist, like just the, just the total amount of things that you say in one song. Um, is this something that you have noticed yourself or was it a conscious shift or did it just kind of happen? I remember being pushed by Nathan to write more. Mm. At the beginning, I was very content. Um, it was shorter songs. But I suppose it was around the second album when we went into the third Nathan was put, I mean, he's incredible. Um, we're very lucky to have him in our band. He's very driven. He really pushed me to say, you need to write more. You know, like, okay, that's really cool, but what happens next? You know, sort of thing. So it, it, I, I suppose it'd be like an editor. I mean, I've never had an editor, but an editor who pushes you, like, well, yeah, okay, I get it, but you need to do more. So that sort of naturally happened. But then it also, 
well, how should I say it? And then it also naturally happened at the same time because suddenly it's almost like opening that sort of gate, more words did come out because there was much more ways to describe what was happening. Um, but you know, the, the difficulty is that when you actually go to play live, you have to remember all of them. <laughs> and that, you know, yeah, so that becomes a real challenge to be, become so focused to do a live performance. Um, yeah. It's, um, but, yeah, no, they, they, the, the song's got bigger and bigger. Mm. Yeah, well, especially in your case because the words are a lot more audible than we hear in other metal genres. Mm. So. <laughs> there was another thing within the band that people were pushing me going, okay, we love, we love what you're saying, but no one can hear it. Can you start saying it more clearer? Mm. I had to learn how to, okay, how do you do this? Um, I mean, there's heaps of people. You can, two examples, easily, I just said before, like Tex Perkins and Nick Cave, they do it perfectly. Mm. You know, horrible, angry, great stories. Um, so there was heaps of people to, like, copy or learn from. But, um, yeah, definitely hard, especially when you're trying to fit them into that sort of gap. Mm. Especially, um, but, no, yeah, the band, our band sort of really works and really creative. I feel like we're making art. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just, this isn't just a band. This is like, it's going to echo. And if it doesn't echo, I'll be really surprised. You know, it just, maybe it won't. Maybe that's, that's, that's the way it is. Um, but yeah, I've been driven by people pushing me. Keep on more, more, more. What can you do? Um, so I think I'm, Actually, if anything, Beast Wars are very lucky to have it. Everyone's pushing each other to try and hopefully be the best quite, because quite often we can push each other to be, the, be our worst, but we survived it, you know. Mm. Um, the level of just fucking horribleness and rudeness towards each member, to work by each member is, you know, not normal. We normalised it. It's just insane, but it has created some great art. Hmm. So one of the commonalities across, uh, you know, songs off all four albums, it seems to be that there's a lot of focus on themes of uh, mortality, death, uh, destruction, as well as some kind of apocalyptic end times events. Um, what inspired you to kind of explore these themes in your lyrics? I think looking back now, I was really frustrated and angry. I was super depressed. Um, I was still dealing with who I was. Um, it's hard to say. I was a heavy drinker. Um, and you know other stuff would get, also get in the way um, but I really worked on myself to become a better human being and to actually sit and to put that aside but at that time it really was I, I suppose I was screaming for rebirth but I couldn't work out how to get there because every every album just led to destruction um, personal destruction physical destruction um I would sometimes feel morally bankrupt. I would, yeah, I would, you know, just hated myself. Um, so yeah, that's death destruction. But now thinking back, I suppose what I was screaming for was rebirth, um, redemption. How do I walk, walk, you know, how do I, how do I walk through this valley of death and fear no evil? Because mm. I've, I've, I've asked all the evil to come here. Mm. But, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, it's just changed again because I feel um, I've worked out this way of living. It's very quiet, apart from the, the odd relapse. 
just gets fewer and fewer between. And it's the, the most beautiful thing mm. of growing older and it finally positive decisions in your life actually you actually seeing um, fulfillment of those dreams and, and actually, actually seeing, you get these great rewards. Mm. Um, so, um, but those albums definitely was the huge subjects of, but that was my personal destruction. Mm-hmm. And I also confused myself thinking I needed to do that to make art. Mm. And that's the scariest place to be if you're thinking you need to destroy yourself to get that line, to get that story, to put yourself in the most horrendous situations just to get that story. Um, you know, what are we doing? Um, yeah, I, I think, you know, they should warn people when they get into music. It's a dangerous place. You know, you're dealing in stuff much bigger than yourself. Um, sometimes I can see it, you know, in a performer when I can see, I see they've lost it, you know, like they're in that complete... You know, you've seen them on stage for an hour, but you you can and you know you know backstage it's just their mental. They've pushed it too far, and they may not come back. Some of them may not come back, and we know that some some people don't because they kill themselves. You know, they they don't know how to re-enter the world. You know, sometimes it's easy to open those gates and go forward. But I keep on thinking words are spells. You know, mm. be careful. Be careful. So your first three albums, uh, so the Beast Wars, self-titled um, Blood Becomes Fire and Death of All Things, have been kind of referred to as um, like an apocalyptic trilogy. And in interviews, you've said that when um, you know the band first formed, uh, you only intended to release three albums from the beginning. Is that right? I, well, yeah. I mean, I, I was more, that was Nathan's real big idea. Mm-hmm. And I think he accomplished that goal because, you know, he, he went off to London after it all finished. Mm-hmm. Our last show on that era was in Brisbane. Massive argument backstage, and, and that was it. It's all like, um, but yeah, the fourth album was a surprise because I got sick, and we sold mm-hmm. some, we sold some t-shirts, and um, helped me sort of live because you know, when, as you know, sick these days, it, and life is very expensive. But anyway, so many t-shirts were sold. I thought, fuck, we could do an album. Mm. You know, mm. I have something to look forward to, and so it, it changed again. Um. I do love at the moment, like, you know, no one's doing a record at the moment. Um, attitude. <laughs> but um, I went and saw Nathan the other day just to pick up something. I said, where are you going to put a guitar up? Guitar up? Oh, I'm writing for um, album five. Like, oh, here we go. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, yeah, definitely his plan. I never, I was amazed. I mean, in New Zealand to get to that stage of having that many albums is really a beautiful achievement. Um, mm. I think we're something really proud about. So, what was I the reason for the, the the trilogy of um, yeah, the post-apocalyptic thing? I think he just wanted it. Okay. Like, like Nathan was an editor and works in the movie business, or more television. But mm-hmm. it's, yeah, I just think he just thought that'd be perfect. Hmm. Then, but then we sort of I, every time I think it's over, it continues. <laughs> you, know, you guys are an example. Another example. I don't have to talk about this what's over. I mean, I get a, this email from Wes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, okay, the academics. Okay, we'll do that. Um, I thought that was um, great. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I never had, yeah, just, it is what it is. Um, but Nathan's, yeah, he always won three albums. Mm. 
One thing we also noticed within the kind of discussion of, of destruction and the apocalypse, etc., is that there are a lot of uh, references to gods in Roman history and mythology. Uh, in uh, Blood Becomes Fire, there's the reference to the Imperium. It seems to talk about the Rome sacking of Jerusalem. Uh, there's the song Empire at the end of your self-titled release, and there's even references to a new Rome and Storm of Mars off your new album. Uh, is there a reason that you keep kind of revisiting Roman mythology throughout your work? Um, I was not... I was almost holiday, family holiday, and it was horrible. It was raining, it rained 10 days or something. It was stuck, top of a cell phone. Um, I did have a, a Roman book of mythology, or just, you know, and they're talking about slaughtering the horse at this time of year to celebrate. Yeah, there's heaps of imagery in it. Um, I think my dreams, my dreams I got visited by gods and what I thought were old gods. Um, and I you know, sort of craved for a time before Christianity. When there was many gods, hmm. not just one. I mean, it's, it's boring just having one. <laughs> you know, it's, yeah, create, it's a whole thing. It's a creating of who, who is the time traveler? Am I the time traveler? Is this even real? Did I die in London? Is this all imaginary? You know, I've, yeah. I just had an episode in England where, yeah, it just, is, yeah, there's heaps of stuff I've always thought, you know, is this even here? Are we even here? Is this even real? Um, but yeah, I, I suppose I've been like quite serving that there was many gods because you couldn't make them all angry at once. <laughs> huh? I really felt like I'd made, main, I'd made the main god real angry. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, maybe I was looking for a way out. Mm. Also, give them power. You speak about them, you give them power. Mm. Well, it's interesting though that like, although there is a lot of reference to Roman mythology, Roman gods, that kind of thing, it doesn't seem that you're necessarily consistently referencing just one set of gods um, because, you know, you've got songs like Devils from Last Night and Some Sell Their Souls uh, from Death of All Things that mention angels and demons that are very, you know, Christian mythology based. Um, so why did you decide to draw on like these diverse representations of deities and gods in your lyrics? Sometimes, I mean, so, I, used to, I don't know, this there's such light and darkness. Even in some of the toughest, horrible people you meet, there's still light in them. Mm. Um, and you can see it. Well, I can see it. I can feel it sometimes. You know what I mean? It's just I can also feel evil and anger and all that stuff, so that's terrifying to have that ability. I feel I have that ability. Mm. Um, and I felt crowds like oceans. So many emotions, like it's like fuck. You know, it's just it's like going on stage, just just full on. It's like I can feel them. Yeah, I don't know. I just think there's many things to all of us, to these deeply demons and angels and all of us. And I know it's in myself. Just the stillness. I I just feel like it's a storm, and I'm I'm just you know craving for the stillness afterwards. I don't know. It's hard to explain. I just believe in them. Yeah. Okay. totally valid yeah. yeah i mean yeah it's interesting that you mentioned like oceans and storms because that was the other question we were going to ask is about you know repeated references to nature in particular um you know the moon the earth oceans rivers mountains and the sky in your lyrics so like why are these motifs important to you well in new zealand um tanawa whenua and the land is really important here and my journey in this band awoken something because we tra- i got to travel to a lot of places in new zealand i've never been to I got to see all these things, 
like one one incredible time we're flying from Dunedin after finishing Blood Comes Fire and the moon is red. You know, it's it's fuck things. You know, just now we know it mostly was a fire or something in Australia. It blew over. As you know, atmosphere um, at the time. I was like, oh my god. And also in New Zealand, I don't know if you guys have been here, but it's a really beautiful place and it's very mm -hmm. easy to go from sea to mountain. Mm -hmm. And it's all mm -hmm. around. So as the albums progressed, it was just my – maybe it's my anchor. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's the only mm -hmm. thing that gets real and to prove that this is real because the land is real and the land breathes. So it was very easy. They were my um, – you know, I may scream it, whatever, but speaking about the land, the rivers of the sea, that's my sort of good place, my – holds me, comforts me, and I, be I believe it comforts everyone. If you're willing to open your heart to it, you will see it. It's Yeah, that's why it's here. Mm. So I guess this is this is a very basic question, but do you often write uh, outdoors? Do I write outdoors? Yeah, do you find like being out in nature when you write lyrics? or, or no, is no, it... it generally would come to me afterwards. Okay. You'll see something or, yeah, sometimes I've written and things have come, they've become real, mm -hmm. like I've written before the the situation oh. has happened. That's a that's a weird thing of writing. Mm. Like it can almost help you see the future. Mm. Um, but you know, I did. I never really sit outside. I yeah. I'll just write at home. Sometimes on the bus, actually. On a, that was, you know, we've got these new technologies, these phones that you can type into, like computers. I've done that. Um, but I try and buy these notebooks, these quite big ones. I just have them here. But yeah, not not outside. But I will go outside to look. I, you know, I mean, it's just, just the way it is. I mean, New Zealand's really beautiful. It's just, yeah. I mean, where I live right now, even though it's in a city, it's right next to a town. About there's a massive storm outside right now. Rain is pelting down. You know, it's just yeah. There's heaps of stuff going on. So it's easy to write. So, yeah, we wanted to talk a little bit uh, about Death of All Things um, because that was originally designed to be, as you said before, like the final album or the final word from the band. Um, and, you know, I've seen in other interviews, as you've kind of mentioned earlier, that, um, you know, you talked about this, like making of this album as like kind of an exorcism of frustrations and difficulties that you and the other band members had experienced during that time. Um, and I was wondering, like, how do, how do you go about designing um lyrics for an album that's supposed to like represent like the final world uh, the final word of your band it was almost like a finale it was easy there's a few things a few stories i wanted to say easy. yeah and okay. then <laughs> no but for me i was like okay bang here's the, these three main songs in here those actually at the end of the day they're the most important statements of the album but then as we started doing the album other things were revealed as they normally are and you weren't expecting and then you have to work to put them in to incorporate the ideas, um, yeah, there was heaps of, it was easy for me because I've got a, quite a good memory of people's faces. Maybe not their names, but sometimes the emotions on their faces all the, all the time. Yeah, it just, it was easy. I was, uh, all people to say goodbye to or stories or to, to, to celebrate or um, to say sorry. I think in that album, I'm really just trying to say sorry. Bottom of my heart, I'm sorry. Because I've been put in a situation of, because when I had chemotherapy, I was living by myself. There was so much downtime between your treatments. And, and with cancer, you get an initial a huge burst of activity from people coming to help you. 
and that sort of drifts off because life, people's lives are really busy. So you, and everyone thinks you're getting better because you're like on your fourth treatment. Mm. Um, and the tests are coming back and it's all um, looking great and everyone's really happy for you. And, but it's, everyone sort of drifts off. I mean, it's, it's really left by yourself. And that was yeah, a really lonely time um, to think about um, life's decisions. So it was easy to to say, but yeah, I mean, then my life changed again. So you know, it's just you, you know, you're thinking that's the end of the movie. But <laughs> it's not. Um, life goes on, but yeah, and now I feel now passing of this new era of actually feeling old because I, I thought like shit, I've turned fifty. Like I'm never actually because even in your forties, you can kind of con yourself that you might be a tiny bit young. But when you hit fifty, <laughs> it's really you are middle aged. You are old. And also at the same time, my daughter's having teenage now, and it's like I'm it's reinforced every day because I'm trying to be a parent, trying to give good advice, trying to like, you know, how do we get through this? Yeah, life has become, you know, I, I never knew being a parent to a teenager is actually like a full time job on top of your job. Right. <laughs> it's just you just every fucking moment, you like you drive. I was doing night shifts at the uh, age care. You know, so I was driving out there because I was driving out there just worried about it. I mean. If you do your night shift, jump in the car and you're worried all the way back into the, you know, it's just this ongoing thing. It never seems to surprise me. Just continue different challenges. I'm sure all you guys feel exactly the same because life just changes again. Mm. Even when you think it's all over, you know, sort of it, changes again. But, yeah. Mm. I mean, one thing that we kind of noticed uh, looking at your lyrics, especially compared to – many of the other bands that we've interviewed is uh it, and we're seeing this you know in, in this interview as well the the deeply personal nature of some of the uh the stories that you that you tell uh, i think one that you know mentioning um cancer one that we thought was quite you know uh direct and, and really impactful was uh on the album four on the song storm of mars where you talk about wanting 10 more years to see your child grow which we uh we read as as reflecting your experiences with uh, with cancer um, and I don't know if that's correct, but we, we were just kind of wondering, how do you approach uh, taking something that's so personal and writing it into a metal song that you, that you share with the world? Um, is this something that you've always been doing and, and has your way of doing it changed over time? Um, it, with the new album, when you're reflecting on your experiences with cancer, uh, was that similar to what you've done in the past or that changed the way that you were writing these stories as well? well at that moment, I had an opportunity to be honest. Mm. I had an opportunity to tell the truth and I had an opportunity to speak beyond the years of my own life. Mm -hmm. Just say if I don't make those 10 years, at least my daughter knew that I tried to make a deal with the gods to give me 10 years. That song's, to me, that song's a spell. I was, yeah, I was really worried that I wasn't going to, you know, be with Nina. And I just thought how unfair that would be for her. Mm. My, my, my mother passed away 20 years ago. My brother, he was 17 when mum went. And I just saw what it did to him. It's the craziest thing. He's ended up being the most successful one of all of us. <laughs> he just, the adversity life gave him, he just rose above. Yeah, but I was worried because I, I had those memories of what death does to you. I was 30 when mum passed away. But, um, you know, I chose to drink it away and it didn't really work out. But all the brothers and sisters had a different way of dealing with it. I was just worried that I didn't want to leave Nina like that. So that's, yeah, it's me just being honest, going, please. And that's how I felt. 
Is it difficult to be that honest in something well, that you know people that you've never met will hear? I decided not to play the song live. Oh. Mm. So when we did it on that tour, I mean, people have asked us since, and I said, no, I don't do it anymore. Mm. Um, that's from that era. Just mm. leave it. Just walk away from it. Um, but, yeah, no, it was full on. Death's kind of been this big thing in my life. I mean, that, that, thinking back to my mother's, all my grandparents then died. It's like a whole top of our family just got wiped out straight away. I was just hoping, yeah. Yeah, yeah. They see the people talk about that stuff. Mm-hmm. I hope that's the right, I hope that's, the that answer explains it. Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, it's interesting, like, to think about, like, the kind of personal approach to your lyrics because a lot of your songs, uh, even prior to your latest release, do feature the word I. Um, so we were wondering, you know, um, is this kind of personal approach reflected in your use of the first-person perspective in your lyrics? Like, you know, when you write about I or me, is it you or are you kind of embodying, like, a character or some other persona? Yeah. Some of those situations would be me. Other people, I'm trying to put myself in the place of a person facing the adversity, dish down to them, all the temptations, all the glory, or the failings. Or, yeah, no, yeah, trying deep method acting, I think. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's also why a lot of people come and talk to me about the lyrics. Mm. I gave an example of two people, but, but I've had a lot of people come and speak to me because everyone has adversity in their life. Mm. Has everyone has anyone ever taken something away from your songs that you kind of didn't really ever uh, want someone to take away? Has anyone like massively kind of misinterpreted in a way that uh, went against what you felt you're trying to convey or the story well, you're trying to tell? I think once you make art, once you put it in the world, that's it. Mm. You, you can't really stop what happens next. Mm. Um, no, I've never. I've just been surprised how far it has traveled. Mm. Mm-hmm. People I never would have thought. Yeah. It's really interesting, but yeah, and I, I I do know that once you make art and you let it out, you can't you can't really complain or it's it's over, it's gone. Mm. I did, well I had, was surprised by the guy who was street fighting. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't think that was a street fighting song. You know, I suppose I'd be thinking of I don't know gangster rap or something. I don't know. I, I've listened to music at the gym, but I've never uh, used it for a street fight. <laughs> <laughs> so like. If you were to write from like a third person perspective, like, do you think that like it would result in kind of very different responses from listeners? Like, if you said he, she, they, whatever, rather than I. Oh yeah, I bet I wish you wouldn't be able to stick to that ritual. Mm. Mm. I break the rules. Mm-hmm. I'd have to be. Yeah, I don't think it worked for me. I can try not to, but I'm sure I'd go back to it. Mm. Sometimes when I write, I have all the guidelines, but when you're doing live, I mean, so in the studio a whole new line will appear and comes in there and definitely sometimes use you from the eye. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could try, but I, I, don't know, I might break it. So. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> One other kind of feature we noticed of your lyrics is uh, while the songs themselves can sometimes be, you know, quite abstract and, and you, you bring in, of course, you mentioned elements of fantasy uh, and sci-fi. We did notice that the individual word choice you use uh, are often quite, uh, straightforward especially for metal a genre that kind of has a stereotype of people using you know gigantic uh words they found in thesauruses and things the medical like that. they were medical students um, <laughs> yeah yeah um, I, 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 I say that recently i had to go and obviously become a nurse you have to do these science papers about the human body i'm going through these books and go oh my god this is all heavy metal 
Mm. <laughs> and I just think, oh, proving once again that most heavy metal musicians are quite, you know, if they haven't done this paper, you know, I, I just thought that was really crazy. Um, maybe my vocabulary has been small. I, I failed English at school. Um, I had a massive problem of um, being able to read and write when I was a kid. So, yeah, maybe my vocabulary is quite small. Um, so the word choices. I thought about it, yeah. I thought that, I thought that might come up. Mm. I, I guessed well. Guess well, yeah. Because, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, we were doing, like, uh, some counts on a lot of songs. And, again, we don't want to say this is, like, simple or anything, but we just noticed that uh, a lot of songs kind of average towards one-syllable, two-syllable words. Um, no. And is that something that, like, is there an effect that that creates that you're going for, or is that just kind of what comes out when you write? A recent review celebrating our tenth year anniversary puts the my use of one word syllables whatever as as one of the main reasons our success in New Zealand. Oh, mm, interesting. Uh, Why is that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. What, what... <laughs> and I just thought, I did. Yeah, it's like okay, um, maybe it's just the way, just trying to get the message out. Hmm. And in a forum, it's straightforward. I'm not going to disguise it or hide it amongst large words. I'm actually going to use words people on the street use because mm. this is how we talk. Is there any influence in your uh, past interest in punk that's there at all, do you think? Or it could country? be. I could be in the punk thing because I remember trying to write punk rock lyrics, which is pretty hard in the mid-80s because everything had kind of already been done. Mm-hmm. So I, we just had to write about angry skinheads in Wellington. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I just remember, I think it really does go back to my – by struggling with the English language at school. I mean, I really struggled. It was just, it was just so tough. As I grew older, I forced my, because, you know, I was washing dishes in Sydney. And I just met, I met quite a few people who could have been academics in kitchens, but were just mm-hmm. drug addicts. Mm-hmm. You know, like, mm-hmm. it just had dropped out. So I was surrounded by people who talked about literature. Um, actually, a chef called Kepa Larry, he really pushed me. He said, your vocabulary needs to get bigger. And I struggled to know how to do that. So I just tried to read. And I, I had massive problems um, actually understanding what I was reading. Like I could read a whole page and I just didn't know what had happened. So I've had to try and learn yeah, how do I um, retain the information or even upload it to my brain. Um, yeah, I think I've always been jealous of people who just got language like it just flew. You know, they could spell, they could they could read, and you know, it was just like I just like oh, I thought there was a superpower. But if I got that superpower, I could change my life. You know, I wouldn't be doing this fucking cooking like you know in a um, restaurant under the heat, surrounded by junkies. If you have the gift of words, treasure it. Don't take it for granted. So many of us don't. <laughs> Um, I have to work really hard on it, so that's why I think it's just, just it's just how I talk. Oh, a lot of that, a lot of that resonates. I can guarantee you that me and Jess have both uh, had to reread the same page four or five yeah. times. <laughs> Many times, yeah. Uh, it, sometimes it just doesn't go in your brain; it just doesn't enter. Yeah. Oh, it, and it's just yeah. I, was just, I, mean, I suppose I've been lucky because I was always surrounded by people who were really intellectual, who could have great conversations, and you know, it saw the world in a different way. I learned to I learned to argue with them. I learned to you know. They have these discussions, but I just felt like my hand was tied behind my back. So I went, even my daughter, when she was like really young, I remember taking to the library in Lower Hutt. We walked in and she's three or four. And I say, look at this. This is all yours. It's free. Mm-hmm. You know? Uh, and 
just trying to encourage from a really early age the beauty of words and the beauty of knowledge. One uh, one syllable style of word that we noticed doesn't really appear in your lyrics is uh, swearing. Uh, there's very very few curse words. Uh, damn, I think is the only one that that you've ever uh, used in a song. Mm-hmm. Are these things that you try to avoid in your lyrics? I, I came from quite a you know my, my where I grew up. You know, swearing was huge. It was just the noise of my youth. You know, my family had at home. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I just resent it. I hate it when I failed my swearing. It means I've lost. I've lost who I am because I'm swearing now. I've lost the argument. I've lost the ability to have critical thinking. Yeah, I've lost. So, yeah, swearing to me is um, my weakest moment. So if music's meant to be my proudest or me trying to convey a message, I shouldn't ever have to use a swear word to tell the story. Mm. That's how I look at it. Mm. But, yeah, I, I just upset by swearing. If, if you if you grew up in a house where it was used all the time, um, it's just a horrible thing. I, I fought against it, and I, and I, I am I am guilty of swearing because I've sworn heaps from my life, but it's mostly through anger. Mm. Huh. Yeah, that's an interesting take because, like you know, in it, as, as you know, like in Australia and New Zealand, like swearing is so common in like everyday language. Yeah, I mean, I, what I'm talking about is more upsetting family life. It's just, yeah, it was, it was a weapon, yeah. mm-hmm. but I didn't like mm-hmm. this child. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, swearing can be used, you know, to degrade you or... Yeah, of course. ...your failing. So that, that's what upset me about swearing. Mm-hmm. Um, proving, once again, the power in it. Yeah. Yeah. The words. Mm-hmm. I would choose to use them. So, yeah, speaking again of like common themes um, in or common components of your songs, we notice that like there seems to be a lot of uh, repeated choruses um, or repeated lines and stuff in a lot of your songs. Like, you know, if we look at uh, Wolves and Prey off your last album, for instance, there's repetition of the praise, um, pray for blood, uh, first light of the sun. Um, what's the purpose of the repeated parts in your lyrics? That's sort of going back to pop music. I'm trying to put hooks in there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I mean, I love a great crafted song, so I'm, I'm, I think that's my attempt. It's not very really successful, but it's uh, <laughs> my attempt at um, making a song more popular than it maybe should be. Um, mm. But, yeah, um, also um, for audiences to be able to sing, mm. um, you, you have a phrase, just say it's a good phrase. Um, well, it doesn't have to be good if they like it. Nothing to do with the person who writes it. You know, the audience will choose if they like the words or not. But if they choose a statement or a sentence they like and they sing it, this once again, it changes. The song changes again. It has power and another power. Yeah. So that's my attempt at that. Mm-hmm. It doesn't, doesn't always work. It's very important to you then that, because uh, you mentioned, you know, making it so that people can understand what you say, modulating how you sing, uh, you know, these lyrics that people can can hear and pe- this this sort of accessibility uh, making lyrics that is accessible to your audience is, is something you feel very important. Oh, I tell you, we, we want to be the Beatles of metal. We want to <laughs> be like, oh, these are great songs. Mm. You know, and in 20 years' time, people will cover them. Country bands, hopefully. Um, <laughs> then the circle is complete. Um, but no, no, that's yeah, a lot of. Look, our band is two main songwriters, Nathan and Clayton, and there's a lot of rivalry between them with the music. Nathan's, you know, Oz is on drums, but he writes the majority of the songs. Clayton is the dark horse who was, he kind of writes these songs that the audience love the most. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's just 
really amazing rivalry. And then I get to fucking sing to the stuff. I get to write to the stuff. So I'm really thankful. But there's a lot of, um, yeah, people don't turn up with stuff that's not fought out, you know, because they don't want to embarrass themselves. Mm. It's just that competition. It's, I'd recommend any band to have it. Mm-hmm. But um, it's great to watch. Um, and I love it. I try and feed it too sometimes. Does that level of accessibility create a, a sense of risk at all? And that, like, you know, if, if you're just oh, doing a death sometimes. metal scream, you know, people can you never hear what you're saying unless they look up the lyrics. If your music is more accessible, is it more easy for people to maybe, like, you know, cut it apart? I, I thought people might not like stuff we do as we changed, as we became trying. I don't know. I, it's just fuck, it's so weird. I mean, I do love when we've done albums because we get so deep into it and kind of create a piece of art. And we've been really lucky. It's been embraced, especially in our own country, especially in the era of COVID when the only people can tour are fucking local yeah. Um, We just played some of our biggest venues in New Zealand. But I'm so glad we just worked on, a, on our own country in Australia, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. The song, yeah, there's so much that goes into it. You, you know, people are turning up with these pieces of music. I mean, I've been pushed to write more and people are fighting for their thing on it. It's quite amazing. I think we're quite lucky. So, um, yeah, as a maybe final question, if you like, um, what do you think would you say are the kind of fundamental purposes of the lyrics of your music uh, and perhaps even more broadly in a genre like metal? Um, For me, I'm finally sort of, I think it's me working out my place in Planet Earth. Mm. That is, and I didn't realise it until we can now talk about it. Every moment has just been how I felt at that moment. But if I look back, I think it's me getting better or trying to, I think it goes back to that sort of, you know, born, death, rebirth. I don't believe I'm an atheist. You know, I just think, yeah, who knows Who knows what's next? Hmm. Um, yeah, I think that's the whole purpose. Does that sound so, it sounds really selfish to think that maybe the whole thing has just been me to realise. Our reality is, our perspective is so, so individual. What you see in your life is totally different from what I see, but that is your reality. Hmm. Hmm. I'm maybe just trying to make sense of it, and I've been lucky enough to be given a vehicle and a wonderful audience that sort of come for the ride to allow me to just work, work stuff out. The only sad thing about music is that, for me, it's made me it's isolated myself from just a few friends and my family, like my daughter mainly, um, so I feel quite it's been a lonely place mm. Mm. Uh, because quite often people I just see as the character of the person on stage, they don't actually ever think about the human being, mm-hmm. but sometimes you have to take a bite of the, the human being to find the words to become the character on stage. It's just this weird fucking thing, which I'm still trying to make sense of. So that's why I kind of walked away from music at the moment because it's just like I just need time out. And if, if, if it actually also helps other people, well, then that's fucking amazing. It's definitely made me want to search for the meaning of words and to understand their power. We have to be careful what we say. Mm. You know? I mean, in a way that that's fucking create a storm. Can create a revolution. It can create love. You know, it can create sadness. Yeah, I don't know. I'm still trying to work it out. This is why I chose to uh, talk to you guys because I thought, what a strange query <laughs> <laughs> about words. And uh, for me, like the guy who's you know who failed English, um, I went, oh my god, have I been redeemed? It was just this beautiful thing. So I'll leave it at that. I, I don't. Know, I hope Ooh. I've answered your quest for words. Yeah, I, no, thank you. Yes, I do. Definitely. I, I'm on my own quest myself. 
But yeah, I think at the moment, I think there's talk of us being in Australia in Sydney and Melbourne in November. Oh, awesome. Awesome. So um, you guys let us know and we'll get some comp tickets to the show. Oh my God. That'd be awesome. That would be fantastic. <laughs> that'd, be, yeah. that'd be incredible. But yeah, so keep in touch. Yeah, but, yeah uh, definitely. Yeah, well, well, we'll have a wonderful evening. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, you too. Um, when, we, when we just asked before uh, we finish up, um, where's the best place for listeners to uh, find any updates on Beast Wars tours, music, that kind of thing? Well, at the moment, what I've just told you is disposing any information. Um, Facebook, um, but we're not really doing anything at the moment. Spotify has all our music. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. I believe the vinyl um, pressing of the reissue of 10 years, I think that's in, that's in some shops in Australia right now. Okay. Or for New Zealand, the right. And you, you mentioned yeah. a new single as well. Is there a is there a release oh, yeah. for that this, to look forward to? coming out with a video and what's happened because apparently I, sounds crazy, but there's PVC shortage in the world, so they can't press the records. So they, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's just like yeah, so the, the music can't come out. But um, crazy. We're paid for it and everything. We're just waiting on it. So that's so delayed. Shit, it might even be a single release tour of Australia. No. Okay. That'd be cool. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that'd be awesome. We're, we're bringing a record to sell to you guys, but um, yeah, that might be. Who knows? It's just different times at the moment with COVID. Mm. But yeah, okay. okay. Cool. Well, we'll leave yeah. those links in the description of the episode as well so everyone can find that information. Yeah. Yeah. And cool. yeah, look forward to hopefully seeing you in November. No, it was a great talk. It was um, really nice to be able to talk about that stuff. Yeah, I've surprised myself. I'm talking honestly with you guys, but um yeah, no, it's, it's great. Appreciate it. And have a you wonderful too. evening. You too. Thank yeah, you so you much. Yeah, you too. Thank you so much. Bye. 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 Thank you for listening to Lingua Italica. We hope you enjoyed it and we hope you stay tuned for our next episode. Before we leave, we just wanted to acknowledge that this podcast is recorded on the unceded lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation and the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. We pay respects to their elders, past, present, and emerging. 